Self-care matters because you matter to Christ. What affects your soul affects your body, and you are only as helpful to others as you are healthy. Welcome to the Soul Care Matters Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Care Matters Podcast, Season 3. It's hard to believe that I just said that out loud, Season 3. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Berg, alongside... Jeff Ballard. And, Jeff, we are recording this uh, like a week before Halloween. And that makes me wonder, what is the best Halloween costume you have ever worn? Oh, man. This is going way back. Feels like it feels hard to even remember the Halloween costumes I wore, which is really sad. But there was this one I wore actually as an adult, so not as long ago, okay. where I was like a kung fu master. And what I loved about it is I had this big, what are, what are those mustaches that are like a Fu Manchu? Yeah, yeah. So that. That that made the costume. What about you? I'm going to need to see a picture of that or I don't believe you. I'll show it to you. I'm pretty sure I've got one. Best Halloween costume ever. This is a tough one. One time, this is a couple's costume. So when my wife and I were dating, we went as Johnny and June Carter Cash. Oh. And I wore all black with the sunglasses. I had carried the guitar around all night. She dyed her hair for it. Wow. That was a pretty good one. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I even had a candy cigarette that I had all night long. Dangerous. I looked the part, let me tell you. And I sang Ring of Fire all night long. Can you sing it right now? I refuse. (laughs) So, yeah, we're here for season three. We're really excited today because we have someone in studio. We have a, I'm making quotation marks with my fingers right now studio now that we get to record in. (laughs) And we're here with someone, a lot of our listeners will probably be pretty familiar with. Pastor Mark Skydema has joined us for this episode where we're going to talk about parenting. Mark, thanks for joining us on the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So Mark, so glad you could join us to talk about parenting. We thought of you when we want to do an episode on parenting because we think really highly of you as a dad. Appreciate that. So. I, don't know, I don't know if I'm flattered by that or I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. it's, we're sh- we know that's probably true. Yeah. And yet uh, that's why we have you here. So that's you good. Right. What I, not I, to I, do. That's, that's pretty much my stick as I tell you, <laughs> don't do this because it doesn't work. And Who does? feel really qualified as a that, parent, though, yeah, you know? That's true. Um, why don't we begin, though, by just, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family so we know who we're talking about it, with you as a as a dad? Sure. Yeah, it's hard to believe um, in this season of life. I remember when they were real little, but uh, our oldest, well, okay, so let me tell you about my wife. We've been married, Emily and I have been married 23 years, which has been an absolute delight. And um, we have four kids. Our oldest is, well, Will is our oldest. He is a freshman in college. And uh, that we were preparing for that day. That day has come, and uh, it's been it's been a blast. Uh, Eleanor is our second. She's 16, and then Owen is 13. He's in eighth grade, and Henry is 11. He's in sixth grade. Okay, so that's the Skydema brood. Yeah, so you got a good spread. You've been through a lot of different seasons as a parent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. Not quite to the empty nest phase. No, of it. I. You know, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we're we're loving this season right now. So <laughs> all right. So first main question: If you could go back in time, say you had a you know DeLorean time machine, if you could go back in time. What would you tell your younger self and Emily if you could talk to them just before you brought Will home from the hospital and began your parenting journey? That's a great question. Yeah. You know, most people don't ever feel equipped or prepared to parent, Uh, certainly when you've never had kids, but then every season is different. 
And so you think, ah, oh, I've started to figure things out. Like, this is good. I'm getting in a rhythm. And then things change. Your kids grow up, new season of life. And you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I think probably if I could travel back in time, I would tell myself, um, you're never going to get it right 100% of the time. So just keep that in mind that you're not going to arrive as a parent, but you're going to have opportunities to learn and grow as your kids do. And um, so kind of take it one step at a time and, and don't stress too much. So that would be one piece of it. I think probably the even bigger piece, if I could go back and um, sit down with my younger self, is I would um, really encourage myself to, uh, to be really intentional, to tend to my own soul particularly spiritually, because of the both opportunities to invest in and disciple my kids, but also just my desperate need for Jesus and being a parent. And I think the older I've gotten, the more I've realized, wow, I've got a long way to go. God's grace is sufficient, but man, I need more and more of it as I grow up versus less and less. As parents, what do we miss out on if we're not feeding our soul regularly then? A lot. I don't have what it takes to be a good dad or a good husband on my own. I'd like to think I do. And there's moments that I think I actually do okay. But at the end of the day, I'm a really selfish guy. I think I figured that out. I got my master's. I tell people in in understanding my selfishness when I got married. I got my PhD when we started having kids. And so there's just a lot of days that I I don't I don't want to serve. I don't want to like I want what I want. Part of being a godly husband and father is recognizing God has called me to this place. It's a gift. It's a um, it's a privilege. But apart from the work of the Holy Spirit of my life and God's grace, I just I don't have what it takes. So I think it's drinking deeply from his cup every day at the beginning of the day throughout the day. And then, you know, as the day ends, getting to the end of the day and saying, okay, Lord, give me just, you know, give me enough to get to the end of the day. And he always does, even though there's days where I feel like I've, I've got nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's super helpful. So speaking of needing God, yep. let's talk a little bit about the seasons of parenting. Let's start with tops. Yeah. So I, I remember that season as mm-hmm. a dad and it's full on. Woo, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tough. You had a little, so <laughs> usually they come one at a time. So you That's had true. three on. Yeah. It's yeah. A little different, but for our listeners that don't know, Jeff has triplets plus one. Right. Yes. So right. they're not toddlers anymore. That's true. That's yeah, true. That was... I have four, but they came one at a time. <laughs> you have four, but you got, you, you won the lottery in the first one. That's so. right. That's right. So thinking about parents of toddlers, what are some of the, the most important things you think they would need to know to do well in those years? So it has been a couple of years since I've walked through the toddler years, but I remember that was a hard season of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it is for most people. Ryan's shaking his head yes to so he resonates. It is just full on. Toddlers, they're at a point where they're learning their independence and they're trying their, uh, you know, all by self and you're trying to shepherd them. And I, I distinctly remember remember in that season of really having to make a choice whether I was going to lean in and really engage or I was just going to kind of step back and be like, I just need to, we just, I'm ready for the next season. Mm -hmm. And when you have multiple children, um, and they're spread out. So they're not all together. But when you have multiple children, that toddler season can go on for quite a while. And, um, you know, we heard it said, and I'm sure you guys have heard it said in the listeners too, you know, the terrible twos and it's this, this is an awful season. I'd say, yeah, that's, that's 
I think, a part of, whether it's twos or threes, that toddler season. But the reality is children, when they don't know Jesus and don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, they are living as unbelievers and they're living for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it's going to be a hard season. And so I think when I look back on that season of life, it actually was a really sweet season, but it was a really hard season. And Emily and I had conversations about we want to lean in. We want to invest well now, praying, hoping, believing that there would be a payout down the road. And there was many days that we thought, oh, Lord, please let there be you know, a harvest of righteousness, so to speak, on uh, you know, down the road. But it was really engaging with them and helping them understand um, their desperate need for Jesus, even at an early age. That was when we were planting gospel seeds, but then really helping them, shepherding them to navigate a season of life where they're, they're trying to press on that independence, but recognizing that we also needed to, to give some boundaries and shepherd them. So it was a um, it was a challenging season, but I would say that it was a good season, and I'm really thankful that we walked through that and that we had the privilege of getting to to walk through it with our kids. Yeah. So let's talk about another season that is often um, said to be challenging. Mm-hmm. It's one that we're in right now yep. with teenagers. Yep. What would you say parents of teenagers would uh, do well to think about, to understand, or to focus on yeah. as they parent teenagers? Yeah. So I would uh, if maybe take a step back to the toddler year just real quickly yeah. and then talk about teenagers. So one of the things that Emily and I really talked about a lot when we had toddlers and then elementary kids is, is that we wanted to have relationships with them when they were teenagers. Well, the thing about relationships is it takes time to develop and trust doesn't happen overnight. So we spent a lot of time sowing seeds as toddlers, elementary students, junior hires, that when we got to high school, we had built relationships with our kids where we were having conversations on a regular basis about really hard, deep things, whether it was relational or it was theological, or we were having conversations about sexuality. We were having conversations about struggles that they were having and how do you navigate those. And so those things happen earlier. That doesn't mean that you can't build those things if you've not done that previously. But I guess I would just encourage, particularly for listeners who maybe have younger kids, is to understand that what you invest in those relationships today will will have an impact, God willing. You can't guarantee it, but but should have an impact long term. So then when it comes to teenagers, I think it is leaning in and really prayerfully building on the relationships that you have but the thing with teenagers is there's so many questions that they're asking. They're they're looking for answers and they're going to go and they're going to find those answers somewhere. So if there's not a relationship or an ability for you as parents to talk with them about those things, and it could be, you know, as simple as, um, you know, how do I make a good decision about college or where to go? Or it could be as deep as, you know, I, I just am struggling with belief and I'm doubting that God is real. So those are questions that may be on the opposite end of the spectrum, so to speak, but teenagers are going to go looking for those answers. And so if they can't find them, if they don't, if you don't have a relationship with them, they don't have a relationship with you, they're going to go looking for them, whether it's on the internet or it's from friends or wherever that may be. And so the teenage years are just a really sweet season where you get to walk alongside your young adult children and help them 
make decisions, but discover things as you navigate that alongside them. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I have a question. So my kids are between the toddler and the teenage stage. And I hear you saying you built relationships with your kids. You had conversations. What does that look like? I don't know if you can give an example or something of like in some of these middle years Mm -hmm. and kind of attached to that something that my wife and I have been talking about a lot recently is how much do you, I, I guess this is a balanced question. How much do you do things for and show your kids how to do things or navigate life versus let them make their own mistakes, fall on their face and then figure it out that way? Yeah, that's just I don't I get asked that in counseling office all the time right. and I, I have no idea how to answer that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I had the right answer. So I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to come across, you know, saying, Hey, I got it all figured out. And this is what you need to do. I'll tell you what we did and listeners may agree or disagree. So when kids are little toddlers and even infants, you know, they're young, like you, if, if your kid is not listening or not doing what you want, or you just need to go, you can literally pick them up and just like, okay, we're doing it. Right. And there's not a lot they can do. They can resist. Right. But as your kids get older, that doesn't work. So I actually remember my, my children remind me of this. Uh, I coached soccer for many, many, many years and kids would, you know, when they were like four years old, they wouldn't listen or whatever. And so I literally would pick them up and I would just kind of fly them across the field and then kind of plop them down. And I would make a joke about it. Like, you know, put your wings out or whatever. And just, but it was trying to help them understand. And my kids laugh about that because sometimes kids would be like, what are you doing? But then they typically responded well. Okay. The point being, we want to teach our kids, train our kids how to respond appropriately in each step or season of life. And that takes time and it takes relationships. So you've got kids between the toddlers and the teenage years, but in this season of life, it's really, you can have incredibly significant conversations with your, with your kids about significant things by just asking them questions and drawing them out and being honest and real with them. Um, I've shared with my kids when it was appropriate to do so. And when they were able to understand, I've shared with them struggles that I've had, my journey, my testimony of faith, things that I, choices that I made, poor choices that I made and things that, uh, consequences that I experienced and just God's grace in the midst of that. When you're a junior high boy, like I made some serious mistakes when I was in junior high and for my sons to know, and even my daughter to know how dad wasn't perfect and he made some terrible choices and yet God's grace covered that. That opened the door of opportunity. Then when my kids are wrestling with things, they can say, Hey dad, I got a question for you. Like, how did you, did you ever deal with this? Or, you know, how did your parents respond or how did friends respond? So I think part of that is being available. Part of that is, um, just entering their world and doing things that they love to build those relationships and to help them know, like, I want to be with you. I want to know you and I want you to know me. And then as they become teenagers, there's a level of trust. Like this is a, maybe another conversation for another day, but I'll use it as an example that, you know, when, when we had our kind of the initial sex conversation with our kids, now it was a long process, but when we explained kind of the whole situation to our kids. I said to all four of them, if you have any questions, you're always welcome to ask. And I said, your friends don't know anything, but I'm an expert. And they kind of laughed about that. Like what? But my kids have come back to me and asked follow-up questions. And sometimes I'm like, holy smokes, I don't know how to answer that question. Like, that's a great question. But what it did was it just, it that opened a door to be able to come back and at any point have follow-up conversations and questions. And I want my kids to have a biblical perspective, but also to be able to ask questions like, I'm struggling with this. And what do I do with this? This desire, this thought, this temptation, somebody said this, and I don't know what to do with it. Again, if, if, 
I'm not the one that answers that, they're going to go find answers somewhere. So I'd rather my kids come to me and, and be able to answer those questions. Again, across the whole spectrum, we've had theological conversations, you know, conflict with friends, all that sort of stuff. So in this season, Ryan, going back, what do you do? I, you, you date them, you spend time with them, you wrestle with them on the floor, you laugh, you just enter their world and you take them with you when you can, wherever you go, because that's even part of discipleship and building into them is inviting them into your world and then allowing them to see and experience things and to, to dialogue through that. And I would say that a lot of shepherding as a parent comes not from the you know, we're going to sit down and have this really deep spiritual conversation, but something happens in the course, the natural course of life that opens a door or a window to have a really deep conversation that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And it feels very natural versus forced. Super. So that would be my encouragement. And my kids would tell you that that's, I mean, that's literally been a part of what we've done for for years and years. Well, I feel a little better because we wrestle on the floor nice. regularly. That's, <laughs> I got one thing going for me. Well, you got a lot of things going for you, but that that has a big impact yeah. for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about discipleship. This is one of the questions I wanted yeah. to ask. A lot of what you shared already really right. applies to that. You know, the, the importance of developing a relationship and having conversations kind of along the way when they naturally come up. But in addition to that, what are the, some of the things you and Emily have done maybe proactively? Yeah to disciple your kids. Yeah. Discipleship takes on a lot of different forms. I think sometimes parents feel like they got to do it right or it doesn't count. And I would say that I think scripture is clear that discipleship is not a formulaic, mm-hmm. but it's a more descriptive, like here's here's how it looks. And and the passage that I think about when I think about discipleship with my children is, is a passage out of Deuteronomy 6. And I'm going to just share uh, a short segment with, uh, with you today, but it says Deuteronomy 6, 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And so I think the implication of that is discipleship happens 24-7. It happens in the middle of the night when a child wakes up scared. And you talk about what does it mean to trust Jesus, even though you can't see him, but to know that he's with you. And uh, we've got stories of kids wrestling through nightmares in the middle of the night, but but trusting Jesus and walking through that and having then literally a treasure trove of experiences where they'd wake up and they'd pray, they'd recite scripture, they'd rehearse things that were true, and they navigated that season. This is particularly particularly true for our daughter. And she looks back on that now and says, that's where I really learned how, how to deal with fear. So that happened in the middle of the night. It's driving across town and again, seeing things or, uh, you know, reading billboards or whatever it may be and having conversations. And I think that if, if I could in, encourage parents with anything, it's devotions are really important and they're great. So figure out how to build that in. But I would tell you, if that's all you do, I don't think that you can say, hey, I'm discipling my kids mm-hmm. because that's a limited, like we're doing it at you know dinner time or bedtime. And I would say, man, you want to infuse the gospel into everything you do so that you're talking about it when you're sitting, when you're lying down, when you're riding in the car, wherever you may be, that you're having gospel-centered conversations. And that's that's the heart of discipleship. So, Yeah, that's really good. So maybe one other question I want to ask 
Um, you know, the topic of discipline comes up all the time. I get asked that frequently. And the reality is in parenting, there's going to be times where we need to correct our kids. Right. And that probably happens just as much as those conversations you right, mentioned, like right. all throughout the day and even in the night. How did you and Emily decide how you're going to discipline your kids? Yeah. And what did that look like for you guys? We really tried to base parenting, discipleship, shepherding, discipline based on what scripture says. And I understand that there's different understandings or interpretations of that. But Proverbs talks often about the rod and in uh, blanking on where it is in Proverbs, but it says, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? That's one of those passages. Now, I think the rod can be misused. And I think there's times that parents can discipline out of anger, mm. right? And it's not uh, about discipline. It's about punishment or it's about I'm angry and upset now and I'm going to take it out on you. That That is not what I'm talking about. But we chose to, to spank our children. It was a conversation and discussion that we had, but we felt like our children understanding the significant consequence of sin in the moment, right? And and there was a whole process, and I'd be more than willing to share this, but there was a process whereby when there was a, an offense or a sin committed and we disciplined our kids that we would sit down and we'd walk through with them, okay, what did you do? Why was this wrong? Do you understand what you did was wrong? And then we would, we would spank them. And there was a, a physical, ow, that hurts. There was a physical consequence to sin. And I think many times as adults, we don't feel it that way. So we think, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But sin is a huge deal and scripture speaks to that. So part of what we were trying to train and help our kids understand is the significance of sin, the cost of sin. And then part of that too is that we infused the gospel into that so that our kids, we were always talking about, this is why you need Jesus. And so literally three of our kids came to faith in Christ through discipline because they understood and we've been having those conversations that it got to a point where they literally said, I don't want to keep sinning. How can I like, I need Jesus to help me. And it had just been a gospel foundation, an evangelistic foundation. So again, there's a process in that. And I think it's really significant that husbands and wives are on the same page. Um, but I would say that discipline is actually a part of discipleship yeah. and there's formative discipline, but there's also punitive discipline, right? So formative discipline is when we help shape our kids and it's, it's uh, or corrective, I shouldn't say punitive discipline, corrective discipline. So the formative is when we're helping, helping them grow and learn and understand, but the corrective discipline is when they've sinned and now there is a consequence and a cost, spanking, ouch, that hurt. And then now there's a correction to move forward differently, but both of those are intertwined. And if you're doing those well, you know, with your kids, then they're not growing up like, oh, I'm so angry at my parents because they're, you know, they're spanking me, but they're, they understand why, yeah. and then even how to move forward in a way that it's not, now they're not walking forward in shame or guilt or fear, but they're walking forward in a freedom of understanding like, hey, if I obey, there's no discipline, there's no consequence, right? But if I disobey, I know that there's going to be a consequence. There's going to be discipline to follow. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think our time is up for questions, but we have one more thing to do. That's the glass house. Yeah. Last season, we installed a new segment that we call the glass house. A lot of our listeners will remember. One of the things that we try to establish with this podcast is a culture of transparency and vulnerability. Listeners will remember that we differentiate between the two because sometimes they get conflated or confused. Transparency sure. is like living in a glass house where people can look in and see what's going on, but all the doors and windows are locked tight and there's not any invitation in to affect any change. 
their vulnerability is living in the glass house with the doors and windows wide open and a welcome come on in sign mm-hmm. above that. And so what we try to do on this is we ask everyone who comes on three questions to kind of help establish what the glass house looks like. So I'm going to ask you three questions. One is what's something that's going really well right now? Two will be what's something that's challenging? And three is as a follower of Jesus, how are you processing whatever that challenge is? Yeah, that's good. We have a recurring segment on our show called The Glass House. It's where we invite you to step into an imaginary glass house and share openly about your joys and honestly about your struggles. We go beyond transparency, which places a lock on the door, and step into vulnerability by welcoming safe people in our inner world to affect change. So, welcome to the glass house. All right. You didn't volunteer for this, but he was voluntold this is happening. I like that. So, uh, Mark, tell us something that's going really, really well right now. Yeah, we're in a really fun season of life as a family. It's really active, but uh, just the relationships with our kids, it's just a sweet season where we're able to spend good time together and we're, we're watching God work in our children's lives and in our own lives too. And our kids are, are seeing that as well. So it's just been a really sweet season of kind of family ministry and family fun. That's awesome. Yeah. What's maybe something that's a little more challenging these days? Yeah. So we are in a season of waiting. We transitioned from College Park to Pennington Park in January, have been praying about uh, moving from where we live now out to uh, to be closer to Pennington Park. And the Lord has just not allowed us to sell our house yet. And this is a season where houses uh, are not selling like they once were. And um, so we're just, we're waiting and we're ready. We've said to the Lord, hey, whenever you want to sell our house, we're ready to go and, you know, provide a house for us. And the Lord has just not seen fit to do that yet. So that's been a, a, a challenge as we commute to uh, to work, but also try to live out uh, membership, the, you know, the new, uh, the new body there, uh, but being a, a little further away. So that's just, there's days where it's like, this is just, it's harder than we'd want it to be. Yeah. You kind of answered it a little bit, but the third question as a follower of Jesus, and maybe you could speak a little bit for Emily too. How are you guys processing that? Yeah. So I think the, the big thing that I would say is we are learning that waiting is never wasted. So most of our lives, I think, at least this is true of my life, most of our lives are seasons of waiting and requests of the Lord followed by answers that are usually short or here's the need met. And then we go into the next season of waiting and asking. So, you know, you go to college, just thinking about my son and he's, you know, he was waiting to get there. Now he's there. And so he's thinking about what, you know, this time, but, you know, relationships and he's thinking about what's going to come next and graduating. Well, then you graduate and you maybe get married and then you're like, okay, we want to have kids. And there's just these seasons between that. Then then maybe you have kids or you can't have kids. And there's these long seasons of Lord, we just, we want this. And yet the Lord doesn't answer that. And I think as Christ followers, how we wait really reflects what we believe about God and the depth of our faith. Now I don't wait well. So less people think like, wow, he's arrived. He's got to figure it out. This season has been really, really hard. And most mornings, if you read my journal, you would see me start out by saying, Lord, I'm still waiting. Like I'm still waiting and I'm ready. So would you grant me faith 
today to believe that you're going to grant, you're going to give me everything I need for life and godliness. And when it's time, you're going to make it clear that we would know to take that step, but help me wait well today. And what I will tell you is that in this season, I've actually experienced more joy and contentment in a season of long waiting than maybe I've experienced in my entire life. So I'm really, really, really thankful for that. And Emily and I have talked about that. Now I'm really ready to move. (laughs) So less people think, ah, like, it's a consternation in my heart, but I think the honest reality is I'm thankful for where the Lord has us because I think he's really growing us and shaping us. And um, that's what we long for more than anything. Super helpful and super relatable, right? Like we all get stuck in seasons of waiting. I remember hearing a, a sermon once. I don't remember what the percentage was. I could make it up because 70% of statistics are made up. But like some rather large percentage of scripture are stories of people waiting Mm. and like, what did it look like to follow Jesus through that time? Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thanks for all the wisdom you've shared Mm. on parenting for our regular listeners. You may hear Mark again on another episode of this in the future, but for now, that's what we have for you on the soul care matters podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the soul care matters podcast. Join the conversation with us on Instagram by following us at College Park Soul Care or email us at info at collegeparksoulcare.com. We'll be back with more helpful conversations in the next episode of the Soul Care Matters podcast.